Hello, I'm Glyn Fussell and welcome to We Can Be Heroes. In this podcast, I get to know creative misfits, underdogs, wild rebels and those people who have stuck one giant middle finger up to society and live life their way. I can't wait to introduce you to some people who embody what it means to be absolute champions. So prepare yourself as we dive in and meet some amazing individuals who have inspired, stood up for change and say, I am here. It's always very strange for me when I have someone on, not only that is close to me, that's one of my best friends on the podcast, because I have to kind of pin myself together properly. And also because what I really want to talk about is partying and bumming. So should we get that out the way? <laughs> well, there's a lot to talk about. <laughs> there is a lot to talk about because we've known each other for the best part of two decades. We lived together for what was probably for me the most transformative point in my life. Was it for you? I hope it was. Otherwise, this is incredibly <laughs> awkward. <laughs> no, I mean, I did barely phased me. I d- no. barely remember it. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah it, it was very transformative for me as well. Yeah, it was, I feel like we were each other's like co-pilots and co-support and we got, got each other through a lot. It's weird how, obviously, I'd known you, we met a long time ago in Clubland but through friends and we both had similar paths where we were running club nights and just quite crafty and grabby and grabby we were grabby (laughs) bastards we were quite grabby bastards and we were going after anything we wanted and one thing that I would say really drew us together was that we wanted big things for ourselves right yeah, exactly. And there was like, nothing was off limits. We were big dreamers and, uh, you know, we spurred each other on to dream as big as we possibly could. And grabby is such a good... Like, grabby at life. Gra- grabby at Not life, yeah. <laughs> so self-belief is, I think, is it, when you have a strong sense of worth or self-belief, I think people get it a bit twisted and it comes with that kind of Americanized, I love myself. But... You don't always feel that every day. And I know that we lifted each other up with that. But where does your self-belief come from? Because here you are now, you're kind of on the path to achieve everything that you wanted to achieve. There's still a long way to go, I know that. But that boy I used to know (laughs) was not in the place you're at right now. So where did that come from? And how do you motivate yourself to stay full of that self-belief? It came, I mean, it comes, I mean, you have been one of those people that are instrumental in my self-belief and I think it's surrounding yourself with people that are your cheerleaders surrounding yourself your people that you love and adore and you want the best for them and they want the best for you it's a mutual you know there's a mutual respect there and a mutual love of genuinely wanting you to do well and I think surrounding yourself with those type of people is what's kept me going because it's been a long old slog and it's it's tough to keep going yeah. relentlessly and relentlessly, which I feel you need to do in London when you want to break through in the creative industries. It's like you've got to just just go, go, go. And it's um it's not, you know, it's not always easy, but the best people you can possibly have around you mm. is key. Um and doing what you love. Like that's also so important in terms of keeping your self-belief and keeping your sort of drive and your fire burning like you've got to be doing something that you love to keep that how do you go after something that feels out of reach because it takes a great deal of we talked about self-belief but also risk 
especially when no one has come before you on that path. No one has come before anyone on a path like yeah. like yours or like mine or like anybody's. Yeah. But you know, it doesn't just land on the lap of a little gay boy from the English Riviera Torquay, does it? <laughs> so what you know, figuring out a what is your true calling in life, and then having, I guess, the gall and the guts to go after it. How how has that happened for you? How have you made that possible? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's <laughs> probably partly delusion at the start. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you know, we just um, partly delusion, partly just cold hard passion for something that just never ever leaves. Like I just always had this burning desire and um, passion for dance music. It just excited me in a way that nothing else ever has or has done since and that drive inside me like would never go away I would always just be so excited by a particular type of music that I was always drawn back to it and I was always it was just always there even if I tried to do other jobs or when I'm back in the day when I never ever thought it would be a career I mean it was you know it did come down to self-belief actually and to them when things finally changed is when I did start believing in myself. And that's when I felt like I got to the next level, even though it was a very long, long road to, to get there. I think you mentioned then being, having a bit of disillusion (laughs) and taking a lot of risk and dreaming big is so interesting because I, I definitely share that, but it's only now I can look back and go, it's not disillusion. It's yeah, it's some, and I don't know what it is, but there's, it's very hard to explain to people that haven't taken those risks, that burning thing in you that that's not gonorrhea, that is... <laughs> <laughs> not this time. That burning thing in you that doesn't leave you with any other option but to go and chase this dream. Yeah, there's, there's no plan B. And I think as well, there kind of can't be plan B because if you're thinking about that, then you're never going to actually get to these dreams that are are ridiculously hard to achieve but you know just by non non-stop putting everything into it mm. um which is hard yeah really hard work that's kind of the only way i think that you know if it was easy then everyone would be doing it and you know there isn't really like you said there isn't a path that, that i think that's also was one of the things that made me think i could never be you know, the artist that I am now or the person making music or DJing or, you know, getting to travel the world, doing what I love because there wasn't really anyone in my circles or even anyone that, you know, I knew vaguely was, yeah. was doing that. Do you mean also though, in a way that feels completely authentic to you and uncompromising? And by that, I mean the way that you look and the people that you sleep with because the the... The industry that you're in feels very much uh, as though the gatekeepers and the people in the forefront and behind the scenes are middle-aged white straight men. So exactly to break that mold, and I do, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but it does feel that the mold is, is being broken as we speak, and you are part of that shift, you know, whether it be uh, the you know, trans community or female DJs or queer DJs I feel like there's a time and a space where it's happening yeah it's an exciting time I mean I've always just you know strived for equality in whatever it is I'm doing and that even when I was running club nights it was something that I was really conscious of maybe like 10 years ago or seven or eight years ago I was always very conscious of making sure that everyone was represented at the party or on the lineups because that was 
a who we wanted to come as well like you know the best parties as you know is when everyone's invited and of course it's always something that's just felt like the right thing to do do you feel that you can be completely yourself or do you feel that now things are blowing up for you do you ever are there ever situations that you step into it and go oh I, I might have to moderate myself or because I mean I've yeah. made a career where I at the beginning was always trying to moderate and always trying to shrink certain um quirks in my forever quirky personality <laughs> to suit the room and yeah you yep. do that now but if, yeah. does that happen in your industry 100 i mean i remember I, even just like when i used to dj i used to try and calm myself down when i was playing so that i wouldn't just be jumping around like a silly cunt because it was yeah. like that wasn't what was done it was like i felt like almost like i couldn't be taken seriously as a dj if i was jumping around and having fun it's like which is just feels so counterintuitive because it's like this music makes me feel yeah amazing yeah. and like why would I not let that out and it's actually when I just thought fuck it and just was being completely who I am and it was yeah. like you know take it or leave it then that's actually when things started to you know happen a bit more and I actually started to get noticed mm. more and it was you know but that's who you are though that's, that's who you are as yeah human. that's, that's who, who I am at a house party you are the twirling whooping <laughs> neon head ringleader are fun yeah and I think it's interesting isn't it when it's all there it's quite obvious that that is your role as this sort of conductor of the club which is yeah. a gift by the way because I, I've over the years met many DJs but there's one thing to be a DJ and play music and there's another to understand the tone of a room any room and conduct it and that is a gift and you do that so like it's a real skill it always blows me away when I'm sat on my chair in the corner of the room <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just sat in the booth not moving but you understand that power and the joy that that brings people yeah it's such a funny one because it's, it's almost like you know we're, we're both on this journey of joy and it's and the way that I facilitate that more is actually by just being myself and letting loose and just you know giving into that moment which you know it does feel like you're conducting the energy of the room and it's it's a joy to do and it's when it goes right it literally is the best feeling that I've experienced even there was like a, a gig this year that I was playing at a festival and I've just felt so ill and I was like I don't know if I can do the gig and then as soon as I got on stage I literally transformed into this just like the most the most energy and joy that I think that I've felt in a really long time and I was just like the power of music and what I'm doing to just mm. turn from being so ill and really like honestly not wanting to speak to anyone to just turning it into a, like a neon tornado of energy. <laughs> I was like, I must be born to do this because the transformation was so profound for doing something that I loved that it just, yeah, it was a, it was a real sort of, it was a, not a defining moment, but it was a moment that knew I was on the right path and I was doing something that I was born to do and that I should be doing. Which is such an amazing privilege is probably not the right word and there's an element of luck to it but obviously it's a great deal of risk and it's a great deal of hardship as well yeah. <laughs> trying to go after something that you were born to do in inverted commas because there are a lot of compromises and risks and you do end up I definitely did burning a lot of bridges on the way up has that been the case for you I mean I don't who say hates you babe yeah. <laughs> What's talking about joy? Who hates you? <laughs> like, Name and shame them. Well, you're in luck. 
I mean, I don't know who hates me, but um, hopefully not that many people. People don't realise that with, I think, a lot of creative industries, if you have a hobby and a love and a passion that you're running after to make it a career and a life's career as well, a lot of the time you've been living on beans for, for years and years and years. We know that. I remember we lived together through the pandemic. Yeah. And I don't know what I would have done without you. You know, Likewise, when, when yeah. it was your last 20 pounds or my last 20 pounds, <laughs> we were like, more beans. Yes, I love beans. <laughs> but it's true. There's a lot of struggle before the moment that everyone then celebrates you. Exactly. And then, then everybody wants a piece. Yeah. And, and then they want to eat your beans. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, during, yeah, like that when we lived together, so, so many times. And I honestly don't know, think, I don't know where I would be in my career now if it wasn't for your support and, and us living together because it was so many times it was just like what the fuck am I doing like this is just like you know you just feel like you're just banging your head against the wall because you're just trying to break down the doors or you're just trying to you know continue doing something you love but everything is so nuanced and you if you put if you do one wrong move over here then it's gonna fuck something up over here and it's like and then you just you know I mean I would just lock myself in my room just make music as much as I possibly could yeah. like day in day out and well I I feel exactly the same, by the way, as you know. But I also, um, it was a very interesting time for me in a way to watch somebody who wants to make music and make it a career because I've never seen the level of discipline that I saw with you. And it makes me fully understand why you are doing what you do. And, there, and it also makes me believe in the universe, you know, that yeah. here you were. I mean, a lot of people just sat on their asses watching Real Housewives. Yes, I'm talking about yeah. myself. <laughs> we did our fair share of that. Yeah, we so. did a fair share. But there you were, you know, you just made, so, I mean, I've never seen anything like it. You were just making music constantly. In a time when we didn't know that you would ever be able to get out and play that music. Yeah. So I don't want to dwell too much on the pandemic because it was shit for all of us. But what I do want to talk about is what happens then? You spend a year and a half, two years, pretty much in your bedroom, May I add, not the biggest bedroom, yeah. making an album's worth of work that is pure euphoria and optimistic and joy-filled. And then you've gone from being really isolated and having nothing but a dream to then being on these huge festival stages <laughs> once the world opens and getting all of this love and appreciation. How did that feel? I mean, it was insane. Like the, 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 from literally not seeing soul um and being locked away to then I, th I think as well though when I was locked away writing all those tunes I was envisioning me being in those situations like that's kind of what helped me get through yeah. and helped me feel you know free and not trapped and be in these spaces so then when it finally came to fruition it was it was overwhelming because you're and it, it was a level of touring that I'd never done before even though I'd been DJing for a long time it was you know maybe five or six gigs in one weekend sometimes and you're just you don't really have time to think you're just yeah you just like you you get through it you have a really fun time while you're playing then you're obviously overexcited because you haven't seen anyone it was like lots of whooping lots of like even more than normal like lots <laughs> excessive <of> whooping excessive <laughs> excessive whooping, <laughs> lots of twirls um and also just feeling so free that you know i did push it so far the other way where it was just I just wanted to be at everything and everywhere and see everyone and I did do that I mean you were everywhere that I felt like there was and rightly so may I add but I feel like there was a moment where 
it was com- it was like watching a comedy parody of a DJ <laughs> where <laughs> I, I would look on a Friday night, I would have a, my your normal 12 hour sleep because, you know, I need some sleep. And then I'd kind of go back on Instagram after and you'd been in, you're in your third country. <laughs> That's how it felt. And you, yeah. it was just, it was so many gigs. So how do you keep your shit together in that? And how do you not, I guess, fall into excess yeah I mean I did fall into a bit of excess probably during that because it was there wasn't really there wasn't really much choice in terms of you're just out everywhere all the time so I kind of go through phases where I'll like at the moment I'm not drinking I've got my head down I'm in studio mode again and I'm just like back in that mode of just writing constantly as much as I can um but I kind of I go through these phases and the thing about last year is that I, I literally didn't make any music really last year because it was just so overwhelming we would just travel gigs as well as all the other stuff that you have to do on top of that to life. kind of like life, life. yeah um and Friends, also you know just relationships relationships like that. just like everything um there just wasn't re- i didn't really have the headspace to to write in a way that i was i was used to yeah. i think i'm especially after being after writing with no distractions you know, apart from you asking if I want to watch the next episode of Housewives, that was as bad always as a yes. Like, and always another, a yes. <laughs> or 10 <laughs> bottles of white wine on the balcony. Like, it was actually 13 <laughs> bottles of white wine we drank. We, we decided wine delivery was the way to go in the pandemic. <laughs> and um, I believe we listened to the Immaculate Collection <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> over and over again, which is going to bring your street cred down massively. <laughs> But for me, it was the ultimate day. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was probably one of my yeah. favorite days. Yeah, actually, it was to be fair. <laughs> uh, But, you know, from going to that and then trying to have that level of dedication when you're maybe traveling, you'll get back on Monday, you're, you're, you're absolutely fucked because you've just been not had that much sleep just because of the late night gigs and then you're traveling again to the next place. Um, no sleep, next car. Like, next like, yeah. It's like, it's very that. And then... To then, Do you feel the pressure? I, I mean, I always feel the pressure. Um, is that think, self-imposed or is that from management, label? It's definitely self-imposed. Um, but I think you, you also, your pressures change. So before it was like, I just want to be noticed. I just want to be playing. I just want people to hear my music. I just want to be on lineups. And then when you, when that happens, then you know, then it's all about, okay, well, how has it sold out straight away? Or has this happened? Or are you on the right lineup? Who else is playing? Oh, what if you play with with them? Are you not going to be able to go and play over at this place? I think I also take in, that's definitely like how the old scene was. And I don't think it's as as bad now. I think things are a lot more free and fluid, especially as a new generation are coming through and we're all, you know, genuinely kind of want the best for each other. I feel like there's a nice sort of community with, yeah sort of newer artists coming through or that have come through post pandemic um whereas before i think things felt very rigid um or it felt very competitive right rigid and competitive and um you know and obviously it is very competitive but that doesn't mean there's only one meal ticket and what i do feel is though actually again you're at the center of this new wave of kind of new wave of dj energy (laughs) that's why i said those words (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I'm vomiting on my lap. But it's true, you know, you've got Jaguar and you've got all these great queer DJs that are out there. And I mean, I know that past the gig, you're all still friends and hanging out. And it does feel a real community of creatives that understand that you may be, you know, a year or two years back, 
it could not, you know, it might not have been this way. Exactly. Yeah. It's, and it's nice to, because before it was like, you know, you were the only person that kind of knew at that time we were both running club nights or, you know, we gravitated towards each other. And now it's nice that I've got a group of people that are doing something similar to me and we can bounce ideas off each other or we can go to each other for, you know, a bit of support. If, I mean, even this year, I've had a few chats with a few other artists and we've all had the same sort of concerns about stuff going forward or at the start of the year, we were all kind of going through similar things that neither of us, you know, knew. Yeah. Um, it, but it was actually quite comforting to talk to them about, even just recently, we, I've like spoke, spoke to them. I think a few months ago before I got back into my headspace of right head down, I need to just write shitloads of music because that's A, what I kind of, I kind of get my, not my self-worth from making music, but it fills me up when I know that I've made something that I'm excited about. That gives me, it, it fuels my fire. It gives me something to keep, yeah. you know, I feel like I've achieved something when I've, when I've written music that I'm proud of and that I'm happy with. So that's kind of also my motto at the moment. I'm just writing stuff that I want to play, that I know my friends are going to play. Um, that's a luxury, isn't it? To be at that place. It's a luxury, but I also think it's kind of essential for writing the music that you like even need to write or that you should be writing because I think there's definitely there was definitely pressure when I was signed to a label that not necessarily from them, but it was you know obvious I need to write stuff that's going to work on radio as well as right. on the dance floor or whereas now I'm writing stuff that excites me and for the dance floor and I think that's kind of the sweet spot of when you probably do write your best stuff because I think I've been writing some of my best music so far over the last yes. month. Um, so and it's funny as well. Once I've kind of switched into that headspace of just keeping my head down and just writing loads, it's like the universe of bringing more opportunities to me for other things that I've been wanting to do. Like just if, if it's like a radio show or filming something or working with an artist, like it's, it's kind of happened that, yeah, the universe has presented opportunities. What you're loosely talking about there is manifesting. <laughs> yeah. And I know, I mean, it, maybe you wouldn't expect me to be talking to you about manifesting, but I know you and I yeah. know that you are a big believer in manifesting and, and you practice. I think that you have a very um, healthy method of practicing manifesting constantly and always checking in with yourself where you want to go next and your proof that it works because I've watched it for you. Yeah. So talk me through, A, where that came from, you know, because manifesting sometimes does feel like this kind of bougie skill that only yeah. the privileged <laughs> and elite know, you know, yeah. or it feels a little bit kind of away with the fairies, which you are. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, how did you d kind of discover that and how did you discover its power? Yeah, I'm just thinking back to when I first heard about manifesting i think it was probably through the secret like reading the secret um i think it was a friend of mine called emily rainbow of course it was emily <laughs> yeah. rainbow <laughs> who is real name everybody real yeah. name name check um and she's as fab as she sounds and yeah she's always been my kind of spiritual guide spiritual guide yeah she was the one that showed me the secret i also think um the celestian prophecy if you read that that was i think pre the secret but it's all about focusing on coincidences or taking notice of coincidences um they were the two books and then even like a new earth by Eckhart Tolle I have his audiobook and I will I listen to it all the time and I guess that gives you a level of grounding in what is an unbelievably weird career because 
if you're you know make music and you're a producer that is weird in itself because it's quite isolating but being a dj you spend so much of your time traveling so much time on your own and then you have an hour and a half where people are screaming your name so how else do you stay grounded in this crazy batshit career yeah i mean the people that you surround yourself with have a huge amount to do with it like i surround myself with people that do keep me grounded and that can tell me to shut the fuck up or <laughs> can tell it to me like it is like yeah. regardless of you know they don't they don't care about how successful i am or where i've played or yeah. they do care about that but they don't it's not you know they it doesn't change how they interact with me which i think is important like yeah. you need to have people that interact with you as tell a you person and human. tell you the truth yeah the hard truth, the hard truth. Yeah. all the truth <laughs> you know they interact with you as as a human not as an artist and i think that's important to be to to be around and it's that meditation which i kind of go through phases with again of when i'm when i'm getting super stressed or whatever i'll use it as a tool to kind of bring myself back you tried to teach me this so many times i've i've tried i did sit down and was able to close my eyes for five minutes once (laughs) that Um, one time once (laughs) but then i decided that i couldn't do it and it's it's something that it's this you know, I'm very competitive, which is probably the very, like, it's very anti-meditation. <laughs> I want to be the best at everything. So if I see someone meditating and, you, you know, you, I'm, yeah. I've seen you before, you're off doing your thing. And I'd be like, bastard, look at him being all zen. On the balcony. It's such a skill, I think. And such a, um, is it a skill or it's is just, it a practice? Uh, well, I mean, I was terrible at it at the start as well. You know, like my brain was going a million miles an hour. It's not like it cut, what, doesn't you come, mean it's not an instant win. It's not an instant win. What the fuck? <laughs> God damn it! I'm out. No, thank you, man. <laughs> but you do have to kind of stick at it, and it took me a few attempts, uh, and you kind of work out the ways that you know you, you find it easiest. Those that headspace I find the easiest because you can. It's you know you're just listening to someone, and that's kind of all, all you have to do. You just yeah. you can focus on them rather than you're not just sitting there and yeah. You can do visualizations, which is the way that I found to get into meditation the yeah. most or the best is through visualizations. So that's, um, I mean, I would give that a whirl. All right, I'll give it a whirl. <laughs> I'll give it a whirl again. <laughs> so we both came up, as I mentioned before, in Clubland in particular, queer Clubland, um, which in recent years has really taken a dip, not through lack of trying because, you know, us queers are resilient cockroaches, but through spaces declining and, you know, LGBTQ plus clubs and, and spaces for us to come together have really been shutting down or just vanishing. How important for you is it to play in these spaces and really get behind queer spaces? Because I've had lots of conversations on this and it, I think it's very easy for someone to just come in and shut the space, but the significance yeah. of a safe space, a queer space, um, is so important. How is it significant for you? Yeah, I mean, there is where I found my family. It's where I felt empowered. Like when I first found the East London queer scene, I, you know, it, it literally it transformed my outlook and how much I thought I could achieve. And literally because you're around like-minded people, other creatives, people that you feel, you know, you just, you feel attached to, you feel that they, like it's your, it's your crowd, it's your crew. And it's, and I never felt that in a queer space until I came to East London. I think it was 
because I was a wanted the music side of things as well. So outside of the major cities, a lot of queer spaces are sort of very one note or just more generic in terms yeah. of you know it's like going to a more commercial night or whatever, which yeah. is great to be around the people that you you know to be around other queers. But when you finally meet people that you're aligned with and that you have similar interests in or similar music or taste in fashion like that is such an empowering thing because you know that you're not the only one and you know that you have a few of those realizations as a queer person you know a that you're queer in the first place but then when you find your tribe and then when you find your tribe is when you really i feel you can elevate as a what sort of unlocks what you can do yeah who you can be your your potential Yeah. yeah it feels like your potential becomes boundless and for me playing in these spaces there was a point where i was just getting booked for so much stuff that i didn't really have any time to play as much in queer spaces i was just like excited to play at places that i'd never played before and i came from only playing on the queer scene so for me it was almost like i had to prove myself outside of that before i wanted to start going back to it and playing on it whereas now it's one of my favorite places to play still when you play at a cool underground queer party like that is a they're usually the best parties anyway and B, I just feel free to be myself completely that I end up having an even better time than I would anywhere else. You've definitely done your years as well. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah. I'd done, I'd felt like I'd put my time in. But now it's, it's really important and I will continue to play at queer spaces and make sure that I'm always playing at queer spaces because I know how powerful and important they are. It's not just turning up and, you know, dancing well, They are about. our church. They, they are, are our church. Yeah. They are where Amen. we come together yeah. en masse. There's something quite ceremonial i think actually i was thinking about this quite ceremonial about that many queer people coming together in defiance a lot of the time you know because a lot of these times people don't want us in these spaces and then the power then of having someone that's a kind of queer leader djing up there it's going back to you being the conductor you know (laughs) it's it's like church and you are whoopi goldberg and sister (laughs) (laughs) And I wouldn't have it any other you way. You take that if you want. <laughs> put that up as a quote on your next yeah. album. <laughs> that's what so I'm going to start my bio with. What's the word in the clubs, babe? What's the word in the clubs? Because that's the thing is that I, as I've just, as I've got a little bit older, I don't go out as much. And obviously I'm not running clubs anymore, but you're out in the clubs. I want to know of some great young queer talent that's out there making music, DJing, setting the world on fire. Yeah, I mean, it's there's definitely... Um, I love that there's been a shift in terms of, you know, there feels like people are shining a light on queer artists again, which is incredible. Obviously, you know, dance music came from, from queers and, yeah. you know, so it's, it's important and it's, you know, it's, it's an amazing thing that we're, they're getting acknowledging they're getting, it. Acknowledging. Yeah. We're acknowledging history. history or just like but correcting history. Yeah. Or just, you know, put, showing them actually what happened and reminding people where, yeah this amazing thing came from in terms of actual artists salute is an amazing artist uh amazing queer artist uh, and then there's some other artists that are slightly more established but still creating waves like high is incredible also yob yobs is one of my favorite artists who's queer because it really does i mean i'm not in that industry but it does seem as though there is a real crossover into the mainstream of these queer artists. They are being played and not just being played on say radio one, but they are getting shows on radio one. And you know, there's a crossover, but 
Is that been gradual or I has think it always so. been there? Am I just not awake? Yeah, I, th- I think so. Um, and as well, it's 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 kind of stations now. Like, I mean, Six Music will have like Loud and Proud Month. Um, I'm just about to do something for them. How do you want your music to make people feel? Um, well, I want them to fucking whoop for a start. <laughs> <laughs> a twirl and a whoop would be nice. But no, I mean, I, I write so much music that sometimes I write stuff that is super emotive that I want to create moments. Like I want it to make you fucking feel something. I want it to really like get you, whether that is complete euphoria or if that's liberation. Um, Cause that's also something I'm conscious of when I play at a queer party. There's also, I mean, it is liberating being on those dance floors. And that's something that I think about that you don't get in straight places. So it's, that's an, an additional thing that I, I think about. And that, so I think that also comes with when I write music if I'm imagining it and envisioning it in a queer space, then it's probably going to have some element of liberation in there. Like that's so that's they're the 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 main elements I want you to feel. But if I write a sad song, I want you to feel sad. If I, if I write a complete euphoric banger, then I want you, you to, to be connect. screaming. Just wanted to connect. Yeah, that's that's the thing, and it's um, not overthinking it. I think writing music that connects to you is really all we can do because it's trying to think about what you know like a sea of people may or may not want to connect to is impossible to do but what we can do is write music that we connect to and then in the hope that other people connect to it as well i feel very connected i feel very liberated so much so that i might take all my clothes off (laughs) we didn't even talk about bumming or that much partying so i would see this as a massive success thank you babe. <laughs> we did it we finally got to speak <laughs> yeah and here's a little whoop at the end just to celebrate <laughs>